Hello, mamas, and welcome to Bump to Mum, a podcast that has been created by me, Emma Coxhead, after the birth of my son, Louis. I realized that there was so much to learn, and it's hard to know where to start. Comfort came from me to speaking with other mothers and parents, and this is where Bump to Mum was born. Bump to Mum is a platform to share conversations we have with other parents, learn from experts in their field, ask questions, find answers, share experiences, and laugh and cry along the way as we try to navigate the maze of which is motherhood. Hello and welcome to season three of the podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing you this season. There's going to be some awesome chats with a range of different mothers across New Zealand with such different journeys as well as experts in their field sharing their knowledge with us and I'm hoping that you will find this season interesting, funny, sad, insightful um, and learn something new as well. First episode of the season is with Olivia. Olivia is a mum of three under five. She has Gus, Greta and Hugo Um, and the reason that Olivia and I spoke was to really focus on her journey with her youngest Hugo. Um, Hugo was born with a limb difference, missing his left arm, and they discovered this during anatomy scans. They went through a lot with fetal medicine and genetic testing due to his condition, and Olivia found this whole journey really isolating and scary, and really struggled to find any resources out there of families going through a similar experience. In this episode, Olivia shares with us what it has been like for her raising a child with a disability, how her pregnancy was, the birth. Um, and what life is like for Hugo now. Also, how she talks to her older two children about Hugo's disability and and why he looks different and how they kind of approach those conversations and just ensure that Hugo is in a supportive environment and he's loved. I think it's a really cool story because it just shows you that it is absolutely not, you know, getting in his way. He's had a relatively normal life, but Olivia also does share, you know, her fears for the future and what that might look like for him as he is wanting to do more um, and kind of discovering he's limited in some way. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope if you are in a similar boat to Olivia and her family um, that this provides you with some comfort and, you know, just know that you're not alone. Olivia shares, you know, how it has been really hard for her and her husband and there's been some really tough times there's also been some amazing times but um it's just a really honest chat and i am so grateful for olivia coming on and sharing so enjoy this episode hey olivia thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today i would love for you to introduce yourself to anyone that's listening tell us a little bit about yourself and your family thank you um thanks so much for having me um my name's olivia and my husband is Tom, and then we have three children. We have Gus, um, who is four, nearly five, um, Greta, who is two, and our little baby of the family, Hugo, who is about 14 months. Um, and we also have Luna, our Labrador, and mm-hmm. we have a cat called Percy as well. Oh, such cute names in your family. I love all of them, even the like the dog and the cat names. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh and where are you guys based um we live in Auckland um nice. in Beachhaven on the North Shore um oh, beautiful yeah and so are you are you full-time mom do you have I, I don't like to say like a job because being a mom is also a full-time job but like do you have are you back at work or what's that sort of situation for your family 
Yeah, so I'm back at work. Um, I've kind of been back since Christmas, um, yes. and I just work as a part-time vet tech at a emergency vet clinic. Um, and my husband, he runs um, an ice cream company in Auckland. Oh, yum! novelty really wears off (laughs) Mm, I can imagine because it's one of those things where you're like oh my god that'd be amazing like all the free ice cream but I bet like you're just kind of sick of ice cream now yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) but your kids love it though yeah no they really do um we try and (laughs) keep it to a minimum (laughs) yeah so why don't you tell everyone about where you're at in your motherhood journey today what sort of challenges are you currently facing or you know what's something you're really enjoying with your three kids um life is pretty busy at the moment Um, it's pretty hard um they're all we started with three under four now it's three under five um which is kind of its own you know it's different from three under four still hard just a bit different um Mm. it seems like all three of them have quite different needs you know, and they're all at different stages and just constantly in that battle of kind of can't seem to meet. You don't feel like you're meeting anyone's needs, apart from it, including mm. your own and like your relationship. So it's all been like, it's, yeah, it's been quite hard the last year kind of since Hugo came. Um, and yeah, sleep is still pretty hit and miss here, but um, it's just one of those things now, I think, after having three that, you just realise that sleep's not the be-all and end-all and you kind of just get used to it somewhat. Um, and, you know, it's you know not going to last fever and, yeah, you kind of just learn to just deal with it and you cope a lot better um, with the more kids you have, I think. But um, there's definitely some really great parts um, of life right now, especially with Gus and Greta, my older two, Um they're kind of at the age now where they're chatting together and some of the time they play together nicely, but um, (laughs) they can kind of like go outside and play together and I don't have to be constantly watching or entertaining. Um, Mm. So that's a great thing about having multiple kids, especially close in age. Um, And also Hugo's just like the easiest child ever, like, we're just obsessed with him. Everyone loves him. Like there's no jealousy from Gus and Greta because they kind of have each other. Um, so there's no like, you know, they don't fight for my attention as much because yeah. um, they've kind of, yeah, got each other to fight with and play with them. <laughs> yeah. Was the, um, the like close age gap something you had wanted? Um, with Gus and Greta, so there's kind of like, just two years between them um and that was definitely planned I think we had planned we'd kind of like started trying when Gus was when yeah Gus was like one and a half um Mm. so yeah it was really um it was planned and it's definitely like people think that two years is like pretty standard and like the right way to go and it was hard (laughs) like it was really hard (laughs) um but um I definitely noticed with Hugo coming um and like the age gap between him and Gus which is like 
nearly four years like amazing yeah. so easy yeah. like, so, so easy yeah <laughs> um, so it was a really nice kind of experience seeing those different age gaps but then there's only 19 months between Greta and Hugo which has been like pretty hectic but yeah wow. a lot worse if Greta was on her own um, and didn't have Gus older than her yeah it's so funny the age gap thing because I think the more people you talk to and ask there's just literally no kind of right or wrong like there's pros and cons there's some people it's love always hard <laughs> yeah it's just I think it's there's always going to be hard things about everything but there's also going to be great things about everything you kind of just have to say like okay looking at my situation what's going to suit our family best at this point in time I don't know if you can kind of base it off anyone else's experience yeah it's all completely different and I think we just thought like if we're going to have three kids we would rather like do it with close age gaps so we don't Mm. just keep like waiting for things to get easier and then getting like plunged back into that terrible time of like newborns and like nappies and stuff like let's just do it all in like five years and it'll yeah then we can have them all close and it'll kind of you know it'll be better in a few years maybe maybe 10 years (laughs) yeah and then then and then you've got like you're heading into teenagehood that's actually one thing I've thought about as I'm like oh you've got three babies but then you've got three teenagers but then I'm like oh but then that's good because you know they can all be teenagers together and oh I don't know it's yeah it's too much to think about <laughs> right now we don't need to worry about that that's our future self's problem right yeah, I definitely think about that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um I'd love for you to share a little bit about your obviously you've got few three beautiful babies um but we really wanted to talk today about um, your experience with Hugo. So I would love for you to maybe tell everyone a little bit about Hugo um, and talk us through your kind of your pregnancy with Hugo and what life is like with him now. Um, sure. So we have our little Hugo who's, um, yeah, so he was born last July. Um, he was definitely a, a planned um pregnancy it kind of happened a lot sooner than we expected um like I didn't even had my period back since having Greta um but that was a nice surprise um so we're really excited for that um he is um so he was born with an upper limb difference so he was born without um pretty much from the elbow down of his um left side um is missing and yeah I'll go into like going through pregnancy and figuring out you know what had caused that but um so we just had the regular like six week dating scan um and everything was fine there um and then had our 12 week scan everything was fine there too um I think in hindsight people like the doctors were like oh you know, it probably would have been seen then, but I guess they're not really focusing too much on the limbs and stuff in the 12-week scan, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's just is what it is. Um, but, yeah, everything looked normal there, um, no abnormalities anywhere else. Um, pregnancy was pretty – it was pretty hard um, with him. I think just the time around my body had just had it, um, especially yes. with, like, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and 
being pregnant kind of like constantly for like a oh. really long time, like with all three kids. Um, so I think I just felt just like tired and like I was pretty unwell and um, I was pretty sore like early on. But um, yeah, otherwise it was fine. I think that's just what you expect third time round with a three-year-old and a one-year-old to look after as well. Um, so we found out about his arm. We had our 20-week scan um, and it was all kind of going well. Um, and now when we look back on it, we're like, it was actually really obvious that the sonographer oh. had found something wrong because she was like looking at the arms and legs and then she was like, oh, I'm just going to go and do all your other measurements, like all of the organs and things, and then we'll come back to the limbs. And I was like, oh, that's weird. But I just didn't think anything of it. So um, I think she was really like, not prepared for it. That she was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to tell these people something. Um, yeah. And so she went, yeah, and checked everything and said, everything's looking great. And then kind of asked, like, what, um, you know, did you have your scan here last time? And, like, was everything normal with your scan last time? And I was like, oh, God, like, yes, yes, it was all fine. Like, And then she left the room and was like, I'm just going to go get somebody else. Oh, and at that point you were just like, oh, shit, right? Like, Yeah, and I was like, Tom was like, no, it'll be nothing, no, it'll be nothing. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And Mm. so she came back with a doctor who kind of checked as well, and then she was like, yeah, we can see here that um, baby is missing their left hand and some degree of their arm as well. Um. And we kind of just, yeah, we were, it was just like complete shock and mm. then just like tears and tears and just, um, yeah, it was pretty awful. They kind of just said, yeah. we'll, we'll um, refer you to maternal fetal medicine, um, which is at Auckland Hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll go for like another scan there. Um, to kind of confirm everything and get a better look at it because they've got kind of like better um, ultrasound there and they've got like 3D capability and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll do that. So we just left and, yeah, just had like massive meltdown outside the um, radiography That's place. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that, we – yeah, just kind of told our, like, close family because we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, I kind of knew that it's not, like, sometimes it can be something that's serious that's going to affect, you know, the whole baby and their development and things like that, depending on what's caused, like, a limb defect. Um, mm. But we didn't really know much. Um, so when we went to Auckland, that was probably about, 21 or 22 weeks we went to fetal medicine um and they just did like more bloods there um did like a 3d scan to look at um their arm and you can see that um he's got like oh we didn't we also didn't know he was a boy we were supposed to have a surprise um and then after the 20 week scan we actually like called them back we're like actually like can we just find out like if you if you managed to see like if it was a boy or a girl um just so we could kind of like have a bit of good news and then a bit more and we found out he was a boy so that's really nice um and so yeah we did that 
3D scan and it showed kind of his arm has got a normal elbow um, and probably about a third of his radius and ulna and maybe slightly less. Um, so, yeah, that was quite cool to see it properly and, um, you know, actually know what we're dealing with. And then they kind of had a meeting with us um, and discussed different reasons um, for limb defects. And it was really, it was really scary and pretty confronting about these kind of like genetic syndromes they were talking about, you know, things with significant health problems that come with them and developmental problems. Um, And then also other things like just a random occurrence of like, um, like lack of blood flow for some reason um, or something called amniotic band syndrome, which is actually what he ended up um, getting diagnosed with. Um, And in that meeting, they like, they offered termination as well, um, which was another thing that was really upsetting. Like, um, so it kind of just made it all very real. Um, at the end of the meeting, they kind of said, you know, like you can go down the route of termination or you can go through with um, like an amniocentesis where they take amniotic fluid from um, the amniotic sac and then they test all of that and it kind of tests like the baby's whole genetic makeup um, and any abnormalities um, with that, which would rule out pretty much like any of those like nasty things that would be, you know, a significant developmental or health problem that came with the limb defect. So it was kind of a hard decision because like there is, there are risks that come with the amniocentesis. Um, Like there's a risk of miscarriage and um, you have to like stay pretty like quiet and like semi bed rest for a few days um afterwards yeah Um, but I think we just Tom and I are quite like scientific based people we're like we'd rather know everything we can um and so we went for that um like the next week um and then that takes like three or four weeks for all of the results to come back which is like crazy because I was like, I'm just growing this baby who's like a 25 week baby now, which is like, that's a full on viable baby. Yeah. Yeah. So we were thinking like, if we are going to like potentially terminate, if it's something really serious, it's going to really affect his life. Then that's going to be a whole nother, like, you know, terrible experience that I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through, you know, having to make that decision when there's, you know, a, yeah, a completely viable baby. Um, so that was really awful. Just like trying to maintain normal life for those like three weeks, just trying to be happy for the other kids and yeah. go to work and me go to work. And yeah, it was, um, it was a really hard time. And did you, like, did they say how common or uncommon it was? Like, did they, did you know anyone that had gone through something like this? Because I can imagine that would just be quite isolating as well when you're, like, presented with this, you know, this something that you never, like, it's not like you had any problems in your earlier pregnancies and then you're presented and you find this out and it's, like, 
who do you speak to? Because I guess like it's so nice to know someone else in the same boat, but is it very common to, to have like be missing a limb that, you know, like be born, like be born that way? Yeah, it's pretty uncommon. Like um, I think it depends what's caused it um, mm-hmm. with like, you know, how rare it is, but I'm pretty sure it's one in like 300,000 are born <laughs> with a limb difference or something. So um, it's pretty rare and it's something that we just, like we just didn't, think about anything going wrong um and I think um yeah it was actually quite good with um when we kind of had that scan and we found out about it we kind of found out about support that we could get um if we did you know go ahead with the pregnancy um which has been really amazing um the support that we've had um through different kind of like organizations um so that's made it a little less isolating but it's kind of just yeah. been like wow we don't know anyone that this has happened to before um yeah and yeah I think we really struggled with just me particularly I guess just feeling like really guilty over what's happened and like I'm the one that's responsible for growing him and nurturing him while I'm pregnant and something's gone wrong and like I felt like it was on me why it didn't you know go normally and I think I really struggled with the thought of like it sounds really stupid now that I look back on it but I just thought I'm being punished for this like because I've got two healthy children like why would I want to have a third you know it was like I was being greedy and I was like yeah that's I don't know why that was my thought process but that was definitely like yeah some pretty dark times around when we found out about it you poor thing and like yeah like you say when you reflect on it now you're like that is crazy like that I thought that but when you are in that moment like you just have you can't control your thoughts you go to dark places and things just come into your mind and you know dealing with something like this while you're pregnant and hormonal as it is, it's just like there's, it would be, yeah, incredibly tough. So when those three weeks I can imagine were very hard trying to distract yourself from the results, but when the results came through, what kind of like solutions or what was the, what was the plan from there? What was the outcome of that? So results came back and there was like nothing abnormal there, like very low risk for any genetic abnormalities. Um, And that was actually just so amazing. Like hearing that it almost just made the fact that he is missing his limb, just like so insignificant, you know, if he's healthy, that Mm -hmm. it's so, you know, silly that we even worried about it, you know, him not having a limb. It just seems like, you know it's going to be different for him his whole life but like if he's going to be healthy then we can deal with it and like you know you can deal with anything as long as your child is healthy you know that's like you just realize how important that is um yeah yeah oh and so the rest of your pregnancy how was that like was there anything that the doctors you know in terms of your birth that you had to change because of him missing 
part of a limb or was it all kind of that's just what it is and the rest is as normal as it can be from here? Pretty much. So it wasn't really going to affect much um, if the rest of the pregnancy went okay. Um, mm. Unfortunately, around like 30 weeks, um, I just got like referred for a scan because um, he didn't seem to be growing very well. Um, and my previous two were like really large, um, like like 95th percentile, both of them. Wow. So <laughs> they were like, this is weird. Um, so I ended up having um, growth scans from that 30 weeks um, and it was in one of these scans that they kind of picked up evidence of these things called amniotic bands, which is what we've now realised is what caused his limb defect. So they, I'd never heard of it before, but pretty much your amniotic sac is lined with like, it's kind of like um, fibrous around the outside. And if it gets damaged somehow, through like, I don't know, like trauma or infection or something that happens in there, these like fibrous strands can kind of like break away and be circulating around the amniotic fluid around the baby. And these strands can like wrap around arms or legs and even like wrap around like their body or their neck. So like we're actually really lucky that it was just his arm. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah, so that was something that, yeah, we didn't know about, but that was also, yeah, pretty cool to know that it was just like a physical thing rather than, you know, anything more like systemic going on inside his body mm. was causing that. Um, so we had these growth scans um, every like couple of weeks and then every week. Um, and he was fine. He wasn't looking super small or anything. Um, and then we... Yeah, we had that until 35 weeks, just before 35 weeks. I had um, I had some maternity photos done like, with my friend who's a photographer. And, um, yeah, I ended up having him that night. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> so he was yeah, nearly six weeks early or, like, five and a bit weeks early. Oh, wow. And, like, in terms of the birth and how he was and how you were, was it how did that all kind of go for you? So I had, um, I had with Gus and Greta, I had, I think they call it, like, precipitous labours. So I had with Gus, my whole labour was, like, just over two hours. And then with Greta, it was like 60 minutes from like start to finish. So oh, we were in, um, so that was in Hamilton where I had them. Um, so it was actually like fine because we were so close to a birth centre. But now that we're in Auckland, it's um, it's a little bit trickier. So we'd actually planned to have a home birth with him um, and done like so much prep for it. <laughs> had like the birth pool and everything. And then, um, yeah, so we got back from, Miro Eye where I was having my photos done and it just felt pretty awful like but I thought it was just standard 35 week third pregnancy kind of stuff but um yeah ended up my midwife just said to go into hospital um just to get checked anyway um because I had a little bit of 
like blood um, when I was in the shower and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, pretty much went to the hospital. I got checked at maybe like 11.30 or quarter past 11 and they're like, yeah, you have three centimetres, so we'll just stay here and you're obviously in labour, we'll just let it happen. Um, so they let all of like the um, Skiboo team know so they could be there when he was born. Um just because he was prem, not because of his arm. Like, that was kind of just a, yeah, just another thing that wasn't really relevant anymore. Um, And, yeah, it ended up being, like, a little bit of a drama that um, within, like, yeah, like, from three centimetres, I, ten minutes later, I felt like I just, like, couldn't cope. I was, honestly felt like I was dying. It was, like, nothing like the other births. And then when my waters broke it was just all blood so I'd had like a placental abruption um oh my goodness and that's like I knew what that meant and I just like completely panicked like yeah you know he was not getting oxygen and everyone was you know pushing emergency buttons and like 20 people were in the room trying to like move me to get a GA c-section and I was like, no, if you actually just give me two minutes, like, I'll push this baby out. And he literally was born, like, two minutes after my waters broke when everyone was just, like, trying to touch me and move me. And I was like, can you just stop touching me? Like, I'm fine with pushing this baby out. And so, yeah, pretty much that all happened in, like, the space of half an hour. Um, And there were, yeah, the doctors said that it was really lucky that he was the third baby and came so quickly because he was born and he was just like white and floppy and not breathing um and it took maybe like five minutes for them working on him to get him breathing so it was really scary like I'm pretty sure a lot of the people thought that he had died um oh gosh they were like the doctors afterwards said like thank god you're good at getting your babies out because he wouldn't have lasted for a c-section like he wouldn't have made it Oh, my God, I've got goosebumps all over. And But, like, yeah. how were you as well? Because you would have lost so much blood. Yeah, so it was like while everyone was really, you know, focusing on him, which was fine, like, I didn't care about anyone else. Like, I just wanted him to, like, be okay. So Tom was with him. Mm-hmm. All the doctors were with him. And I was just sitting there and, like, my midwife was around. But I just remember, like, sitting back on the bed and, putting my hands like beside me and I just like splashed like a puddle of blood that I was sitting in I was like um I think um I think I'm leaving that and like I think I need some help and um so yeah I ended up having I didn't have to go to surgery or anything they got all of like my placenta out and everything but I'd lost quite a lot so I ended up having um a blood transfusion and just like fluids for the next couple of days um but it was fine like um I think I actually like recovered pretty well considering um maybe just all the adrenaline that I had um but with him I'm just imagining like the when like all that blood came out and you have all these like when the they push the button and you've got all these people swimming around you and yet somehow it's like that survival instinct day it was like you knew that you just wanted to get that baby out and you could do it. And I mean, amazing that you got him out 
so quickly like that is just incredible but it's just like when you think of that and you're not in that situation you're like how did you do that but it just complete survival mode would have taken over for you yeah completely um and I didn't even notice that I was like you know like losing blood or like if I had any like tears or anything I was just like I'm fine like he just needs to be looked after like and yeah it's crazy what adrenaline will do but um yeah no way okay so Hugo's born you're both obviously you would have did you stay in a hospital for a few were you in hospital or birth care hospital yeah so we were at North Shore and he ended up um going to like the special care baby unit there and I think he was there for maybe three weeks um I think he would have been there for a shorter period of time if he hadn't had all of that drama with the birth because he ended up getting Mm -hmm. like um an aspiration pneumonia from all of the blood obviously um so that took him a little while to get over and get off the oxygen support um and be able to feed properly um but we were quite lucky because um I was still feeding Greta at home so I was still breastfeeding her so luckily I actually had milk there even though he was prem like so I could express enough for him um to have like through his tube because he was just getting tube feeds for the first um couple of days so that was actually like a real blessing that I was still feeding Greta um so yeah. you managed to breastfeed during your pregnancy okay? Because, like, a lot of people I've spoken to said that that was kind of, like, at the point where they were like, nah, I can't do this anymore because, like, just with the nausea and hormones during pregnancy, they had to stop. But did you – you actually managed to breastfeed through? Yeah, I did it with Gus and Greta as well. So, well, <laughs> so you've been breastfeeding for, like, five years and on five years. Holy, oh my God, hats off to you. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely been really hard during pregnancy and your supply drops quite a lot. Um, But, yeah, honestly, I look back, I'm like, I don't know how I did it, but it just kind of happened and now I'm still feeding Greta and you go. I think it's just one thing that I've been, like, blessed with is that I'm a good breastfeeder and... I haven't really yeah. had any problems, so I can't really – I know not everyone is the same, um, but it's worked really well for us. Um, and, mm. yeah, so perfect having milk for him because most um, prem babies that go into Skaboo have to start on formula because they just don't have enough um, when people are trying to start their milk supply from nothing. Um, but, yeah, he was – so he was lucky to have that, and then he ended up actually being, like, an amazing – breastfeeder even like even with his oxygen support on um they were all like so impressed with this tiny five pound baby that was like had pneumonia and was on oxygen but still actually managed to feed um by himself so he was really really good and yeah and nice that you got to do that as well like after your experience of like the birth and the pregnancy all been quite a shock and traumatic to then actually be able to breastfeed your baby. I can imagine would have been so nice. Yeah, it was amazing. And he was just like the sweetest, calmest baby in there. And, oh, man, like he's just, yeah, he was the best. He still is the best. (laughs) So what has life looked like for Hugo then 
since coming home, um, like how, like when you look at your older two kids and how life is for Hugo, like how different it is for him, what is it like for him and what has it been like for you and your partner, like living, like having a baby with a disability? Um, I think it's definitely not been too hard yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've realised, I think maybe since he turned one, something just changed in me and we kind of, I think I saw him trying to do something with like one of his toys and like trying to put something into a toy and it was the first time I've ever seen him struggle or be frustrated with something and Mm. kind of just dawned on me that like this is just the start of his struggles. Um, and so that was kind of a bit sad, like mm. around his first birthday, realizing like it's all been so easy now and everything's been so positive and everyone just talks about how amazing he is since he, you know, it was like crawling and walking and holding stuff and which is great. And I love how positive everyone is, but life's going to be really hard for him. And there's going to be times where he's going to be upset and frustrated and angry um and I think yeah it's important to kind of normalize that um Mm. but as far as life right now um we're kind of just trying to make life kind of as normal as possible um and lucky he has two older siblings for that that really don't take it easy on him (laughs) um yeah (laughs) yeah and we um yeah, we just try to educate as many people as we can, um, you know, all of our friends and their kids and about, you know, how people can be different and have these differences, um, which has been really good. Um, mm. As far as kind of day-to-day life with him, like it's not really different right now, um, mm. but it's been really good with um, so the support that we have for him is great. Like when he was born, he got an occupational therapist, um, which he has now like every six weeks we see her um, and kind of just, you know, sees how he's developing with his arm. And because he was prim as well, they, you know, check on how he's, how he was developing in that first year, like um, mentally as well, which was really cool. And then after he was born, Oh, I also left out that he, um, when he was first born, they thought that they could hear something a bit like off with his heart. So they thought he maybe had a heart defect. So when he was six weeks old, he had like a full cardiac workup at Starship um, where they were checking for things. But um, by that time, whatever it was had gone, which is really good. Um, but yeah, otherwise there's also... Um, we see an orthopedic team at Starship um, for his arm, like for any mm. issues that arise with the bones. Cause they were kind of when he was, when they were, um, when they x-rayed his arm to see it, um, the radius and ulna have kind of fused together at the end and it's quite sharp, the end of the bone. So when he was first born, he had this skinny little arm that, was really quite pointy um so we were like oh that's like not much skin covering that um 
end of his arm there. So when he's running around as a, you know, toddler and stuff, it might be a bit of a problem with not having much padding around that bone. Um, so that's something that they're going to keep an eye on. It's something that we don't really notice now because he's kind of a bit chubbier. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem so sharp. But we also have this amazing place called um, the Artificial Limb Centre that they, um, like, he is under their care as well. So any, I didn't know, like, any of this existed, but he, any time of his life, can go there um, and they just make, like, any kind of prosthetic that he wants. Like, if he wants to, like, you know, we probably will look into one in the next, like, few months to help him with, like, his trike or his bike. Um, Yeah. They kind of just have a like temporary like little attachment for it so he can hold his bike handle because right now he can go on it and like rest his hand on it or rest his um like we just call it his little arm and rest his little arm on it but if he tries to turn it he can't reach um the handlebar so that's kind of something we didn't really think about and now we're like yeah that actually would make his life a lot easier and make him you know allow him to do things um, that he should be able to do. So they're really amazing. So we'll go see them and they'll just like make everything custom for him. If he grows up and wants to be like a professional, like kayaker or something, they'll make something to like let him do that. And is oh that like provided by the government or is that something you have to do privately? Yeah, it's all paid for. Like, wow. Um, I think depending on what kind of prosthetic you want, like, cause you can get yeah. like so many different levels of them, um, that some you would have to like pay for. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much all just free for him, which is like pretty cool. Um, that we have that here. Um, and we don't, I say that, but like we, we don't want to put it on him, that he, needs to have a prosthetic to be normal um and like I never want him to have one for cosmetic purposes like unless he wants to like we're just gonna get these kind of like temporary functional prosthetics things that are going to help him in everyday life and then when he's old enough if he wants to wear one or wants to not ever wear one then that's yeah totally up to him I just don't want to have to like yeah put something on him that you know, because we're trying to hide it or thinking yeah. that you can't do anything without it. Um, yeah. How did you kind of explain to your older two kids, like, how Hugo was different and why Hugo was different? Like, how – because obviously they're so little. Like, how do you have that conversation with them? I think from the beginning we were pretty upfront with them about, you know, what the baby – had you know what was wrong with him um and that he was you know going to be born without part of his arm and kind of showed them on their arms where it would be I think it was mainly educating Gus at this point because Greta was still quite little um and she didn't really understand I guess until he was born but with Gus it was quite good to talk about it um and we kind of just said you know he's different from you because of this um you know limb defect with his arm um but he isn't sick and he's not hurt um you know it doesn't hurt him he'll just need to learn how to do things differently but he'll still be able to do everything um and it was kind of like a silver lining of the whole situation that 
it was actually a great opportunity to educate Gus and Greta and other people around us about, you know, differences that people can have and being accepting and inclusive of people, you know, that have differences that they've maybe never seen before, um, which was really cool. And I think a really important thing when, um, after he was born was kind of to educate them how to respond to people when they ask about Hugo, because kids are like, kids are so curious and like, we don't take it personally at all. Like we'd rather people ask about it and rather than just like stare and be awkward. (laughs) Um, and so we just have this when, when we want to tell people how to respond, we just say, he was born like that. It doesn't hurt him and he can still do everything we do. He just learns how to do it differently. Um, And that's kind of what we get Gus to say. Um, And he actually, we had a situation at Gus's kindy a few weeks ago where one of the the kids at kindy was like pointing out Hugo's arm was like, look at that boy. He's got no arm. Like, why has he got no arm? What's wrong with your brother? Um, And Gus just almost didn't even care. He was just like, didn't even look up from the drawing he was doing. He just said, there's nothing wrong with him. He was just born like that. And just like, kind of just like went on with it. Like there was nothing, you know, and I was like, oh, I was like so proud of him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what a a big brother he is as well. And I I think like what you say is so true. Like they just, they've had to like, they've learned this such incredibly valuable lesson that like it doesn't actually impact his life and he can do everything he wants to do and he'll just do it slightly differently, which actually brings up a question I wanted to ask is just around like, so Hugo's 14 months now mm-hmm. in terms of like sitting, crawling, walking, all those sorts of things like eating. Have you noticed that his disability has impacted any of those? Like obviously every child does that on their own timeline anyway, but have you noticed any frustrations or has he literally just learned to do it his own way? He's kind of just done it his own way. It's been good having, his occupational therapist to kind of like see how he's tracking and give us tips and stuff to help him. But he's pretty much done everything. Like he, you know, on top of being premature and like also having like a missing arm, he crawled at like seven months and he just like, he just crawls differently. He just does like a, like a commando crawl, um, like along his tummy. And he's always done that. Um, they did that at seven months and then, was walking at like 11 months like he's just amazing but um he's just started kind of like walking around and he'll pick up things and kind of like hold them in his elbow or hold them under his arm like so he can grab other things with his hand oh my goodness I think the only thing we've noticed that's like been a little bit harder is that with the walking he's kind of had to learn how to walk a bit differently like to balance I think he's a little bit off balance on one side so he walks with his um with his right arm that's got the hand he kind of walks with that like in front of him to kind of like balance um and the problem is that in that wobbly walking stage if he falls now he can't break his fall like most kids like with their hands so he'll often like break his fall with one hand but then just immediately like hit his head on the other side and like, yeah. like so he's constantly whenever he falls he's just like getting these head knocks which is like hard because I don't 
I feel like I'm constantly like hovering over him whenever we're outside or at a playground or anything. Because if he falls, he just immediately like face plants to that like left side of his head. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's that hard one of like letting him learn so he can figure out how to do it, but also not wanting him to fall and hit his head multiple <laughs> times. Like, he just needs like a helmet on at all times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I think that's just another thing that's gonna it won't be an issue in a few months so um but otherwise he doesn't yeah he hasn't really had any issues like the riding his bike is another like little bit of an issue as well but we're gonna get that sorted and yeah he's pretty amazing with like feeding himself and holding stuff like he just uses his little arm and his hand and just like immediately hold stuff with it and he claps with it and he's yeah he's just amazing he just does everything that is so incredible and my little louis commando crawls as well and like he has you know like it's just they just do all things differently so i can imagine what he looks like when he when he was crawling as well because that's exactly how louis crawls he just goes along on his like forearms instead of yeah. up on it, hands and knees. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw someone watch, like I was at the park the other day with Louie and he was commando crawling so he doesn't walk yet. Mm-hmm. And I just saw someone like kind of watching him and they just had that look on the face of like, that looks so cute and funny. But because they go so fast as well. Like, I know, it's like a little like wiggly worm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. He is just so incredible. Like that's, amazing and like like you said there's going to be things in the future that are tough and they'll frustrate him but he'll learn how to do it and it's just going to make him such a strong like incredible person to have you know have that to kind of overcome so early in life have challenges like that but it's not going to get in his way it sounds like he's got the most amazing support around him what would you say has been your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date? Um, I think the hardest has definitely been either that period of waiting for results for Hugo or mm-hmm. the time when Hugo was in hospital, like in Skaboo for those three weeks. Like I honestly take my hat off to anyone that's had a baby in hospital and not just a baby in hospital, but then other kids at home, like having mm. to have that juggle of two older kids at home, me being at the hospital and me trying to split my time between them, my husband trying to work. And then like, I'd cry leaving Hugo. And then the older kids would cry when I left them. And it was just like, oh. it was so awful. And like, all I wanted to do was just get home. But to do that, like, you had to be at the hospital, like, as much as possible so you could breastfeed as much as possible and, like, get them to gain weight, you know, like, fast so, you know, they let you go home. But that was, yeah, that was really awful, just kind of being pulled in so many different directions. Um, And having, like, setbacks in the hospital that, you know, he came off oxygen at one point and it was all looking so good and he was feeding well and they were like, yep, if you, you know, get through another day, like he might be going home and then he went down again and had to go on oxygen again. And it's just like so crushing when you just work so hard to try and get that, but you can't rush them. Like they're all 
you know, they're just on their own time. But so that was really, yeah, that was really hard. Oh, I can imagine because it's, it's, you know, when you've got one, you could, and like for you as well with you and your partner, you would have both wanted to be in the hospital, but, you know, someone has to be at home with the kids. So then you're also having to go through this really hard time, but you can't be with your person, your support person. Um, So I can imagine on a relationship as well, that would be really, it'd be straining, right? Completely. And it was also like really, really hard for Tom because like he obviously wanted to be with his new son who Mm. he hardly spent any time with. Um, But he kind of had to prioritize, you know, working a bit because he had such a full on job and he you know, had to take what leave he had, you know, what parental leave he had to use at that time, which wasn't even that time that it's for, you know, you're supposed yeah. to be using that time to be soaking up that time with your children and your new baby. And he was using it to just like maintain life at home without me and without our new baby. And we were really lucky that we had my parents close by. So they helped a lot, but um, yeah, it was kind of sad. Like, I was always the priority to be at the hospital, but then Tom kind of missed out on those early days with him. Um, and I didn't have the support there. Um, so yeah, I actually ended up in, while we were in hospital, they referred me to maternal mental health and I got like, um, supported by them, um, for like the whole first year, which was actually like, it was such a blessing to have that, um, to kind of like work through everything from like his diagnosis to like the birth trauma that we had and raising a child, you know, with a disability. So that was actually like the most incredible service um, that we could have got. But yeah, definitely the hardest, the hardest time. Yeah. Oh, and it's so amazing that there is that support available and it, and you took it up as well because I think that's a lot of people will be like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Like this is normal. Like it's meant to be hard. But like so good that you actually said, yeah, this is hard and I need help. And to get that support for a year as well, I think that's just amazing. And is that something that you could do with Tom or did, was it just for you? Um, it was just for me, um, mm. which, yeah. It kind of sucks that there's not more help for dads. Um, yeah. With, yeah, things like, you know, having, if three under four wasn't, like, hard enough, having one that, you know, was going to have a slightly different life. But, um, yeah, I guess you've just got to surround yourself with whatever support you can, like, with friends and family. And mm-hmm. we're lucky that we've had so much support. Yeah. And what's been your most enjoyable season of motherhood so far? It's kind of been in amongst like the hardest times, but with having having Hugo home and having the older two, like just being so obsessed with him. Like Mm. I just thought that they'd just all be fighting all the time and all be like jealous of him getting the attention, but they just like seeing them with him and it's like they know that he's the baby and they they're both just like obsessed with him and like they're so happy for him when he learns new things and like they're so invested in him like doing stuff and they're really protective of him and it's just been like the sweetest thing like especially with 
Gus, like Hugo and Gus have just got like the sweetest bond. Like they just are obsessed with each other. Um, so it's, it's been really, really sweet to just not have this constant, I don't know, Gus and Greta have been hard with constant like fighting and just like, yeah, they're full on. But it's been really nice having the baby being just like adored and um, yeah, so that's been the best part for sure. Oh, that's so nice. And what advice would you give to parents that are going through a similar journey with you as you that you have with Hugo, you know, or a family that's just found out that their baby is going to have, you know, is, is missing part of a limb like you did with Hugo. Like, do you have any advice for anyone trying to navigate that? I know you're still very much on your journey, but um, I feel like you've learned so much already and would have so, some wisdom to share with some parents out there. Yeah, I think wisdom actually. Like you've got three kids, you've got some experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think just like as much like support as you can, like whether that's your family or friends or different services like the mental health service and the like occupational therapists and like the limb center and things. And um, I think just taking as much help as you can um, with like connecting with other people that are kind of in the same or a similar situation to you. Like we actually connected with a family that we met through like um, a limb difference organization and they've got a little boy that's maybe like six months older than Hugo and he's got like almost the same limb difference to him, but on the other side Um, and we're actually really good friends with them now. And it's just been so cool to meet them and like know that Hugo's going to grow up having like, a friend pretty much the same age as him that's going through the same stuff um, and having parents that you can talk to about things because they've gone through the exact same thing as you. So that's been really, really cool. Um, and I think also just trying to create like the most normal life possible for them. And it can be really hard, but avoiding constantly wanting to help them. Um, like I never want them to be struggling and with Hugo I just want to help him do stuff all the time and I know it's going to get harder as he gets older with him trying to do things but trying to let them work it out themselves and um with people around you you know educating them about you know how to how to talk to him about things and how to talk to other people when they ask about things like avoiding I feel like people just feel like sympathetic um, and we just don't want him to feel like it's something he needs to be sad about. Um, But I think a really important thing that Tom and I have actually been talking about recently is that, you know, it's normal to feel sad and kind of grieve for the life that we thought our baby would have. Um, and, like, that's okay. And I feel like we need to normalise, like, that you don't have to be happy about the situation. Like, everyone wants to have a healthy child that doesn't have any pain or struggles, but um, you kind of just make the best of it, but you don't have to be completely at peace with it all the time because um, mm. it is shit and it is going to be really hard. Um, and you're not, you're not always going to be there to protect them. Um, I think you just have to give them 
the tools to like respond to people and kind of advocate for themselves from a young age. Um, and then you kind of just got to let them find their way in the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think that's such a nice point to make because I think there is this like culture of like, you've got to be so grateful and you've got to see the, the bright side of everything. But in the same time, you are absolutely allowed to say like, this is just shit, you know, like this is really unfair and like have those moments of not loving every element of life and trying to find the positive of an, in every dark moment. I think that's really healthy as well. I actually listened to another part podcast and I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes and I'll send it to you if you want to listen as well. But they kind of talked about the fact that how we, you know, it's like about raising children and helping them be okay if they're, you know, be okay if they're different. If they're a boy that likes pink and, you know, unicorns, that that's okay. And then the the way they said that, like, how do you prepare your child for, you know, the, the wider world and not everyone's as accepting and they kind of talked about it's how you model it at home and how you talk about it at home that you can kind of prepare them for whatever is going to be thrown at them. And I just think that's exactly what you're doing um, is by just completely normalising everything for Hugo. Like he'll just step out into that world and people might make comments or ask questions, but like he's going to be equipped to know how to answer that and like know within himself how he feels. I think that's literally all you can do as parents. Like you can't protect your babies from everything as much as we want to. (laughs) Yeah, completely. Um, Yeah, so, so true. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Well, I just think you're absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey because it is, you know, I've never spoken to someone who has had a baby with, you know, with a limb, part of a limb missing and to hear how life is going for you and your children and highs and lows and everything. It's just so nice to share because I know this will resonate with other parents out there that maybe are looking to, you know, to find their community or like just, I don't know. I think it's just amazing that you've come on and shared. So a big thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I will, are you happy for people to reach out to you if they want to, like if they're going through something similar and want to have a chat or do you want to keep things pretty private? I, I mean, no, cool. yeah, absolutely. No, I really, um, fine with people. Yeah. Reaching out to me. I think it's like, you know, pretty similar you know for a lot of different disabilities and just differences that you know kids are born with that um you know what you go through is all pretty similar stuff um and it is really really isolating when you don't know anyone that you know is going through anything similar and you're struggling for support so yeah definitely happy for that Amazing. Well, I will tag your account in the show notes. Um, so, yes, just a big thank you again. I will let you get back to your afternoon and your babies. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. No, I loved coming and talking to you about it.